Welcome to the Kaiser Human Performance Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to educate and inspire you to make the most of your journey in health and performance. Each episode will provide an in-depth discussion on a specific topic related to human performance. If you're a growth-minded individual seeking knowledge and better solutions, this podcast is for you. We're glad you're listening in and we're excited to learn alongside you. My name is Gabe Derman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Todd Tukin. Today, we welcome two special individuals. Our first guest is Naza Russell. With over 20 years of experience in high performance, Naza serves as a sports director for Paralympics Ireland and chef de mission for the 2024 and 2028 games. Our second guest is Jason Smith. One of Ireland's most decorated athletes, Jason has won six gold medals across four Paralympic games and held the record as the fastest Paralympian of all time. Retired from competition, Jason serves as strategy manager for Paralympics Ireland. On today's episode, Naza and Jason highlight their efforts in creating systems and strategies to support the identification, development, and performance of para-athletes. They are constantly searching for ways to grow and drive the future of para-athletics, and they are a joy to learn from. You can follow Naza on X at N-E-A-S Russell and Jason at Smith underscore Jason. That's Smith with a Y. Enjoy the episode. Thank you for joining us today. NASA, I'll begin with you. It feels like Paris 2024 suddenly isn't too far away. How are things in your world? Uh, they're good. Uh, good, thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's getting busy. It's feeling very real. Uh, we've just uh, been after a day of meetings actually trying to uh, plot and plan out our uh, kind of perform at Paris conference and engagement with all potential athletes, stakeholders. So we're, we're getting down to the business end. Um, but yeah, uh, we've also just come back after six days of a chef de mission conference, which is the very fancy way of calling saying we're team managers, but I'll definitely take the French version of it. Um, but you know what? It's going to be impressive. That's it'll be really impressive. Uh, they've done a really phenomenal job. And also what's really pleasing, particularly from a Paralympic movement perspective, is that they've designed uh, both of the games in from the start so you know there's real good parity in terms of what they're doing as well so it's uh yeah it's, it's really really cool to see what they're doing the way they're styling it the way the focus on sustainability uh a, a really strong athlete-centric focus so yeah I, it'll be really good so it's it's great we're we're definitely getting into the business end of it now for sure awesome i'd love to hear it and jason no stranger to the paralympic games of course how has life been for you since announcing your retirement uh, a little different, uh, that's for sure. So uh, six months ago is when I decided uh, to step away from competing and on the track, um, taking a role within within Paralympics Ireland. So um, in, one in one way, obviously, it's a, a world that you're or that I'm fairly familiar with. Um, but in another way, it's just, I mean, different way of operating you're in an office rather than on a track um but the reality is I suppose it has to happen at, at some stage so it's great to have the opportunity um to make that tra transition and be a part of things moving forward terrific well we're glad to hear it and we're excited to get this conversation going today as it is the first episode we've done that focuses on performance within the para-athlete space and paralympic space 
and what a duo we have with us to get started. So NASA, let's begin by having you set the scene for us, so to speak, detailing your role as sports director for Paralympics Ireland. What are your main responsibilities and could you give us some insight on your day-to-day -day operations? Yeah, um, well, I, I suppose it's it's kind of broad, really, but I guess that the way I kind of distill it is to basically my role is to figure out how to drive parasport forward in Ireland and to continue uh, success and make that success sustainable. So a lot of the work and the role is uh, trying to figure out the direction of travel, where, where are we trying to go with this, uh, and also look at where our role is and really you know, and primarily then look who our main stakeholders are uh, and, you know, be understand how best and better can we support our athletes to reach their potential. And then in doing that, we've got to look at how the coaching program sits in around that and, and how to support the coaches. And then the, the wider angle on that kind of ecosystem is considering the sports themselves and the governing bodies and how can we support them to better support their power programs and their athletes and coaches in that space. So uh, a lot of it is, is, is kind of quite system orientated. And again, trying to understand who the players are um, and, and how we support them to, to drive forward. So again, a, a lot of conversations around strategy, policy, um, operational, tactical levels, linking in with our funders would, would be Sport Ireland and a lot of our commercial partners as well. So yeah, it's um, there, there's a never dull moment <laughs> in this role. Uh, and as also kind of alluded to uh, previously, my role is also um, chef de mission for Paris 2024. So I suppose the, the privilege of leading the team into that. And that has, a, again, a significant amount of focus on, on who the folks are, how we're best preparing them for a kind of a point in time. Uh, and I suppose day to day, otherwise my head would explode. I've kind of created two programs uh, which allow us to focus and drive the work and the efforts into both those spaces. So one is around uh, Perform at Paris. So it does what this says on the tin, really. And it's a very much it's around the 28th of August 2024. And how are we preparing for that day and working our way back in terms of all the elements? And the other one is, again, a bit more of that longer term system piece, which is Transform for LA. So how do we drive forward the transformation of the system here? uh for that longer term uh, focus so la actually isn't that far around the corner in in the world of olympic and paralympic cycles but um so yeah so a, a lot of um pulling together those strands and and trying to stay on top of it generally <laughs> well absolutely i think your hands are certainly full from what it sounds like and looking forward to hearing a little bit more about some of those strategies and systems that uh, you're trying to get integrated uh into paralympic ireland and jason after a remarkable and record-setting athletic career 21 gold medals, including six gold medals over four Paralympic Games, and holding the record as the fastest Paralympian of all time. You've took up a role as strategy manager at Paralympics Ireland. Could you give us some insight into life after the track and your relatively new role? Yeah, um, I think that was, um, for me, as I'd mentioned there, one of the, the opportunities of um, making that shift and... Um, moving into to Paralympics Ireland um for me the the exciting pieces piece was where the organization is going to be going in the future um and how I could come on board and help support NASA and, and the other members of the team in how we get there so um obviously only six six months in so still a, a piece around developing and, and moving forward with it but um, for me, it was that that opportunity to to be part of um, helping shape and to to fall back on some of the experiences of of really being 
through the the para system and the para movement for for the last 18 years um i think for me one of the the initial pieces of of where i'm doing a bit around is is actually around the athlete at, at the heart of what we do and the center of everything we do is is the athlete and how you support them and de- develop them and and engage them um and how we can as an organization continually try to improve that and and the more we improve that the more likely the other pieces around performance and um the power movement will continue to be able to develop and push forward now so i imagine it's nice to have somebody like jason on, on your staff now is that right uh, yeah, uh, it's it's cool. I had to get over that. Oh, Jason Smith is working with us now. Um, but uh, and of course, I've never told him that. But um, but uh, <laughs> now she realizes I'm not so cool. <laughs> and also now he realizes we're actually a little cooler than he thought. That's how this works. Um, but uh, no, it's it's great. Look, I mean, it's it is phenomenal. I suppose I spent many years as a coach and many years kind of working as system data. So you know, I haven't had that lived experience of uh, being a para athlete, working for so long on on competition, being a seasoned athlete. So to have Jason's perspective is really really powerful. Um, and also I was really mindful actually that you know in one place a reputational stake and he's taken and also you know he's, he's kind of putting his uh money where his mouth is and such in terms of actually wanting to make a difference and, and make an impact in terms of what we do as a paralympic movement and in terms of performance sport within ireland in particular so yeah it's phenomenal the, the perspective the insight again is, is massively valuable and i think that's why again you know the power of a of a team with diverse backgrounds and experiences because when we start talking and conversing we're all coming from different perspectives but again you know, framed and housed in a, a really good working environment. You know, we start to get out some some good conversations, uh, a good bit of slagging, and uh, and actually, hopefully, start to try and make a, a proper impact and move forward. Uh, a lot of what we're trying to do, in particular around the the athletes and how we actually have that at the centre of what we do, uh, which is 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 the craft part of it. I think. Fantastic. Absolutely. And what I like about having you two on together is not only the relationship, but then also the chance to hear from both the athlete and human performance expert perspective. Uh, So Jason, I'll ask you to take us back to age eight for a second. I imagine you're involved in sport running around with your friends, like many of us were at that age. Um, And one day you receive a diagnosis that provided a very significant life challenge, but simultaneously was really the mark of a beginning historical individual career in the world of sports. So can you take us back to that time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was diagnosed with an eye condition called Stargardt. Um, and basically the central part of my eye is is completely blind. And I then use the peripheral vision to see. Um, so to kind of try to describe it to people, it's as if somebody takes, let's say, a really bad blurry picture. So I often see things because of the color contrast. Uh, rather than the details of roughly about five to 10% vision. Um, and it, it's, it's an, a genetic eye condition. My granda had it, um, but it really was my parents just started to realize at that age that um, all of a sudden I had to come closer to the TV to be able to see it. Um, instead of looking at them, I'd be looking past them. Um, and just little signs led them to, to, um, Take me to get my eyes tested and then sent to the hospital um, for specialists to look at it. And and um, obviously from there, you you get told at um, that age then that 
again, I didn't really appreciate it really. It was too young. Um, but it was, I think for sure my parents uh, found found it difficult. Um, and I, as a parent now, I could appreciate um how difficult it would be to get that news with the unknown um of what the future has in store. And and obviously where we are now till nearly 30 years ago in terms of technology and um opportunities going forward look very different. Um so yeah. So we briefly talked about the you know the athlete centered approach and having you be especially in the para movement. And you're over your 18 year career, obviously things seem have have changed. Can you kind of explain where your career started and then how it was different when it finished? Yeah, so I actually started um, athletics or, as you say, in America, track and field around the age of 15. So quite late into the sport, actually. And it was a school teacher that that got me involved. Um, from there, I went down to an athletics club. And I think when I look back on my career, probably one of the most important pieces was the the gentleman I met, a guy by the name of Stephen McGuire, who coached me for, for a lot of, of my, my career. And I think the impact um, coaches or that coach had in, in my career and the success I have was, um, I, you know, it was, it was the difference between me getting to where I was and sustaining it and not, but for everything I learned was really from him. Um, so I, maybe two or three years there, um, just at, in Derry, um, where I lived as an athlete um, at school. Um, but it was really when I finished school, my coach was under this mindset and the idea, if you want to be the best, you've got to learn from the best. Um, and in that, we, oh, he was the driving force. We ended up heading to the States, uh, based in Florida, uh, training with, um, some of the best Olympic athletes in the world, you know, some of the, one of the best sprints group in the world. And for me, that was a real, um, that four year period, there was a real learning and a real opportunity for me to, to develop and, and actually set the foundations of what performance was about um, to change my mindset of, of where I could get to. And I think that really shaped then um, what I would say in, in Paris where I was probably a, years ahead of my time but it was all created in, in that environment I was in and the lessons I learned and um, it was never about a power athlete an Olympic athlete it was just an athlete pushing themselves to whatever that limit was so um, felt then from that I took a lot of my experiences and learning um, lived in London for a while training and then came back um, closer to home um, towards the end of my career so uh, lots of learnings throughout the way uh, different times, different motivations, understanding kind of the process and, and how to have kind of clarity and what I'm trying to achieve. And then that team around me, you know, for me with the, the fundamentals to, to success and continued success. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. We appreciate you sharing. And NASA, while that was happening, uh, simultaneously kind of going into your professional background, it's clear that talent ID development and high performance is really a part of your DNA. So while all that was going on with Jason as he was coming up through the years, uh, through Paralympic games and, and competing as an athlete, 
Um, why were you drawn to this opportunity? Was this something that you were always looking forward to? Is this something that, you know, how did you kind of become involved with Paralympic athletes and really what drew you to this opportunity? Uh, yeah, well, I guess um, it's, it's interesting. Jason frames around um, the opportunity to, to move abroad and learn. Similarly, actually, probably my learning was through being a coach. Um, professional coach at rowing actually and uh, I did a coaching apprenticeship I quit my permanent pensional job as an engineer uh, at age 29 and decided to become a, a to take up a coaching apprenticeship so again it took a little bit of a leap of faith and a risk and then did that for a year or two here and then moved to Britain so which was the the world leader in uh, rowing at the time and again similarly uh, trying to learn about performance the process uh, how you create the right environments for folk. And I suppose that started me a little bit on my journey around uh, performance and trying to get better and learning and the curiosity of, of what drives you. And I think that probably for me uh, as a coach, uh, my philosophy was always to try and understand how can I support people to reach their potential? Like that's the kind of the, the sum, the maths of the game, the problem solving of it, which is which I really love. Uh, and I think that, that again, um, you know, for me, sport is a wonderful medium because it, it, it's a medium for people to perform and it's for me it's a real mode of human expression and when I looked at kind of para sport and olympic sport again it's similarly athletes trying to do their best but what I guess I noticed about para sport in particular and definitely drew me in as a kind of a coach and a sports scientist is that human performance it's really pushing it at the boundaries of what we typically know or have typically coached um so how do you coach someone who has lower limb impairments uh, when you've only ever coached someone who would have had full leg movement in a rowing stroke, for example, like the movement pattern, the physics is still the same, but how you go about doing it has to take a different approach. And this was what always drawn me towards the power sport is, is, is the problem solving capacity, A, of the athletes, B, of the coaching and C, that the, the sport itself. So, you know, it, it really draws me in, in terms of that element. And I guess, to be honest, then as well, as I've got a bit older and, you know, as I've gone through my career as well as trying to understand how do we reach, how do we can, how can we support an athlete reach the potential if they can't even get to training or if there isn't a coach with the right skills or socioeconomically, they're not able to afford to get lessons or culturally they're uh, underrepresented because they're happen to be from a, a black or minority ethnic community or, or something, you know, so I, I'm always trying to figure out, well, how do we get more people into sport, the thing that we love? Um, and uh, and again, you have to start then looking into systems, structures, cultures, governance. And that, again, is a whole other area of kind of jigsaw puzzling for me, too. So actually, when I saw the role around Paralympic, it's hugely built around the movement and showcasing the ability of people. It's very much built around inclusion and that's not in a happy clappy kumbaya. It's a still holding the performance standards, but how you go about doing that is different and you have to problem solve and think differently. And that's been certainly one of the big draws um, for me uh, to, to the movement. And A, it's just, it's a cool version of sport. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, really, it's very innovative. It's really creative. And, and just the whole ethos of the movement and why we're doing it and what we're doing um, is, is really, really powerful for me. So it was a bit of a no-brainer when I saw the job. <laughs> I mean, really well said. That was, a, that was a terrific answer. And I'm curious about maybe asking one specific example of some of these initiatives that you were talking about, like reaching people who are under-resourced in different areas to get them involved or recruiting for the games. Um, is there anything, any projects now that you're working on or anything that comes to mind uh, in that regard? Yeah, I guess there's kind of two programs that evolve to get in under those kind of streams of work I shared earlier. One again around look at and a lot of this is trying to figure out who 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 are we 
looking at what are their needs and then how do we design a program to suit their needs. So again, you know, we have a small, small enough uh, para sport community here, particularly performance athletes. So, you know, one of the things with again our our, our funders and and you know a lot of good collaboration is an athlete support package would help a lot of athletes who may not again be kind of professional athletes in in the in the sense that they're making their living from it daily, but they're keen to be. So how can we kind of give them a funding boost, if you like, that will enable them to overcome some of the transport or daily kind of challenges? Um, and then also how do we support their governing bodies to support them? And then how do we ensure that there's kind of performance support package placed around them so that, again, all coming back to on the 1st of September or whatever day their event is in Paris, that they can perform to their best. Um, so that that's kind of one of the... The programs uh, that we, we we're doing and, and that's all in the umbrella of kind of a pathway to paris which is a series of workshops again the intervention designed to bring people together uh create a sense of belonging make sure people actually got information that's useful to them um that can help them uh in their daily problem solving they've got a good bit of performance you know uh, sports science insight or whatever to you know to, to help that coach athlete unit improve um, and I suppose the other element of it, again, is, again, designed around that recruitment piece. I can't believe that I'm always thinking about how do we get more people into the sport? So uh, it's it's around we've called it next gen or permanent TSB next gen. We, we have a great sponsor on that one. And it's, again, trying to look at place based and trying to design for signposting rather than selecting, because that doesn't typically work within power sport. And we can't just have someone do a you know, a wheelchair run over 20 meters and then decide that they're going to be this sport or not. It, it works in a different way. Uh, so we, what we're trying to do is signpost people and work off building local uh, play-based support and local club uh, and community opportunities for athletes to then develop and, and progress. So, yeah, they're, they're probably two of the, the main uh, bodies of work that we've rolled out over the last year, year or so with, with the team. So, you know, they're 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 helping us learn what the infrastructure is like, what we need to tweak or change and and the who that we're dealing with so we can better design what we're doing. Yeah, to follow up on the recruit initiative, if, if you look into talent identification, is your first step to provide support sampling for maybe an athlete just trying things out or are people kind of funneled towards one thing or the other? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good uh, question. So we've tried to design it away from that. Uh, to uh, I've had talent ID solves some of the problem, but it doesn't. It's not terribly sustainable in my experience. And if you want people to come back, you've got to actually also look at why is it you have to do talent ID? Why aren't athletes coming forward? Or and start really those hard questions, which are tend to usually the answer is in organizational culture and the way they're they're framed and set up. But um, so I think the um, the 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 talent the the bit that we looked at was uh, Paralympic potential. So uh, by its nature of para sport, you'd have different impairments and classification system. So actually, some athletes actually to if you wanted to compete in para Paralympic sport, um, you know that there's certain sports that you would definitely be orientated towards because again the type of impairment is catered for. Um, so that's probably the first triaging point. And then the second bit is yes, it's a we called it a common try. And actually, we we did a bit of all things. We had kind of like a Christmas fair scenario where we different governing bodies so that people come up and have a chat and see who was local. We did a common try, which was really good fun. Uh, and then we had. Uh, we had kind of a testing suite, like a screening suite. We didn't really know or not what may or may not come out of it. Because again, you can't take the results because someone might not have the right uh, prosthetic or, you know, they're not using a sports chair, they're using a wheelchair, for example. So, but it wasn't about that. It was actually more probably looking at how people approached 
doing it and the screening. And again, you know, that gave us a flavor. So we're still really early days of figuring out what this means. But I think that the priority for us is we are signposting locally and that's starting to work. Um, so we, we'll take that and build from there. Awesome. Thank you for that. And on that topic of kind of recruitment and bringing athletes in, um, Jason, What's it like, not just being a former, you know, very successful Paralympic athlete, but now to have the opportunity to kind of have a voice and be really be an ambassador for Paralympic athletes, not just in Ireland, but really everywhere. Um, I understand you're involved with like Vision Sports Ireland. What's that like trying to, do you find yourself trying to recruit individuals um, to maybe compete? And what's it like just kind of being an ambassador in that space? I think it's an, an important part of, um, or for any athlete um even current athletes as well that that's that's an important role that you play um because you have that voice you are um in your performance and performances showing and inspire other people with impairments uh what they can do or what they can achieve or um for young kids or young parents um, with kids is what their ch what opportunities there is for their children. So I think it's it's a huge piece and it's a huge piece that's continuing to build as the para movement gets more awareness. And I think a lot of it comes down to that awareness and let's say moving more into the the mainstream in terms of awareness. The the more that then hopefully create opp creates opportunities, but. Again, that was for me a reason of of getting involved with vision sports was how could I help other visually impaired or blind kids have the experiences or opportunities I had. Now, the reality is most probably weren't going to have it to that level, but I realized how much sport impacted me, changed me, allowed me to develop skills and attributes and have confidence and belief in myself that probably nothing else could do and sport has that power to really bridge those gaps and how could I use the platform I have I have to try help um, move that work forward now it's obviously not an easy thing to do and there's not a simple um, answer to it but just to to try be part of um making that difference and having that impact is something I feel um an important thing to do. And I think all power athletes should should feel important piece of of what they do. Well let's let's talk about your performances because you've definitely inspired a lot of folks to to know what's possible. And let's go back to your first Olympics uh that you medaled at was in Beijing. Can you give us a little bit about your first experience and how that track meet went? And, you know, overall, how did it go? Yeah, it, um, so that was, I first um, came into para sport in 2005 and at a Europeans and then a Worlds in 2006. But but Beijing was, as we say, the par obviously the Paralympic Games and the Paralympic Games are uh, known to be significantly greater grander um than the europeans and world so it was a completely new experience and um, to go into the bird's nest i can't remember was it 80 90 000 people mm. um just the noise and the the atmosphere um and 
I think probably too young to um appreciate maybe the pressure that was there or going to be there because it was just such a new experience. Um, but for me, it was obviously my first game, so it was an incredible great games and incredible games to be part of. And um, I won the hundred and two hundred meters. So when you your performance performances match the whole experience, then um, you know it's an an incredible moment and um actually in one way it feels so long ago now it's day this stage which really You're ancient, is, so. Jason. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, what's your favorite memory from from all the Paralympic games, if you have one? Um I'd say as as an experience, I always would say of two. So as an experience, London 2012, it was really the the shift in how para sport was seen. Um, but because it was a home games, um, just the hype and the excitement and the build up to it, family were all so close that were at Mabel, which meant they were all able to go and and watch and be there part of the games. Um, I broke the world record in the hundred and two hundred. So just as an experience, the whole games, London twenty twelve certainly was it. As a race, um, actually was Tokyo. Um, so I won that by one hundredth of a second, and it was actually nearly the complete opposite. Is um twenty twelve I was kind of running around the the peak of my performances. Uh, Tokyo I just had a pretty tough year in the lead up to it. It was just off the back of as everybody remembers COVID and all the lockdowns, just with with injuries, and there was times I I, I sat and I wondered was I done like was I even going to make to make it to the games um there's times then I wondered if I was going to make the games would I even be at the level that I, I needed to be just things were not where they needed to be and that's obviously the joys of of sport you're playing that fine line but um then we got to the games and there was a few new athletes and people who had run quicker than me and everybody expected me to win but um I wasn't the favorite on paper so to actually in that moment was probably my greatest um one of my greatest moments in sport was to in that moment under that pressure to outperform where I was at I I had to in that moment I felt I had to go somewhere mentally that I never had to go um anywhere else in my career and to be able to do it when it matters uh there there was something incredibly powerful about that Cool. I'm just like, I'm sitting here. Like, That's yeah. awesome. And I'm putting myself there. And I, I mentioned Jason before we started here that Todd and I were trying to look up some videos of watching you race, which is really cool. So then to hear you kind of speak on those experiences that we just watched as well. Uh, very, very cool. And that's a free, yeah. Just one thing there too is, and I, again, I always like to remind people is like, yes, it is me there, the athlete on the track, but that does not happen without other people and, and that team that are around. Um, so as much as a me they're performing, there's so many people that come together to make that actually happen. And um, you know, I'm always very grateful for those people. Yeah, wonderful reminder. So thank you. And a, and a terrific segue into what we were going to discuss next. Uh NASA, obviously a lot of work, sweat, sacrifice goes into preparing yourself 
you know, for those moments or for athletes for those moments. And whether it's Olympic or Paralympic cycle, the preparation begins years in advance. I mean, you mentioned looking forward to Los Angeles 2028, you know, uh, when Paris itself is only, you know, a few months away. We're curious to learn about the preparation and that planning that goes into preparing these athletes. And I know you've put a lot of effort into setting up systems for decision-making. Can you provide us with some insight on some of the work that you've been doing to implement those systems uh, to improve para-athlete care and development? Yeah, well, sorry, I'm just laughing because um, I was in Tokyo and I was just above the finish line when Jason finished and we were convinced he'd won until we saw it back up on the screen and we were like, oh my God, did he? I was like, <laughs> winning by the least amount you could possibly do. I was like, talk about putting us on tender hooks. But anyways, that was, uh, it was, it was a phenomenal uh, experience. And also, again, quite cool to be in the background to see uh, a Jason, how he prepared himself and executed the race. Uh, it was, it was, it was some achievement. And again, the, knowing also then back to that point around the wider team and all the kind of the groups and stakeholders piece. So, um, and, and you know, it, it, those performances don't come out, um, you know, you don't roll off the couch and pull a performance like that. And actually there's years of relationship building, uh, performance planning, all those kind of elements drive into that. And I suppose really that's a lot of what we're trying to, um, implementing across the same all, all the systems like the, the the olympic paralympic cycle it's, it's an interesting in a four-year one <clears throat> and it's only really interesting in this this because this is a three-year cycle as we tokyo obviously in 2021 and what i realized having kind of been a veteran of several cycles uh where you're kind of used to a rhythm of four years of preparation you know the first year everyone is catching up on themselves and there was reviews and all that kind of stuff the second year is where you're now starting to put in some of the things there this is what we learned and we do better next time year three then is typically trying to qualify and get the sports up and running your road test and all your processes and then year four is, is games here but this year we've we've missed a year and actually i think it's year two we've missed i feel where you know the year of actually reflecting on what worked well what didn't what can we improve uh, and actually starting to put some of those systems in so what we've been trying to do in year three as we qualify is also look at how what what are the systems that we've we've needed to put in in place but i i kind of alluded to some of the 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 initiatives that we're doing uh which is around athlete support packages um and again you know a lot of other and programs would have similar kind of athlete funding streams but actually the big one for us is probably the partnership we've we've developed in particular with the sport institute but again a lot of it really for me comes down to trying to build relationships across all your main uh folk and then you know from from a from a leadership perspective where how are we create the environment for people to perform and plan and think about their being in their bring their a game to those key big milestone events uh and then what do we need to to do to support that in the background and I keep there's a kind of a framework I always use in my head in terms of how we set things up. And it's one like, what is our purpose? So what is it exactly we're trying to do? Because that actually gives rise to people's identity. And so therefore, it is really important. You know, we're trying to grow the Paralympic movement, trying to make sure athletes can reach their potential because, as Jason alluded to, you know, that has a big outcome and a ripple effect in society around people's perceptions, what they do. And obviously, then there's the athlete's performance and own, own career out of that as well. Uh, and then we're looking at how we build the relationships. So again, building relationships, working through programs, events over the course of a cycle builds trust. And we know high performing teams, that's a real cornerstone for how they work and, and what they do. And then I suppose the third element for me is the information. So how do we enable people to actually crack on and do stuff? So it's a very, you know, you want people to be autonomous, kind of self-determined in terms of how they go about doing the work. And for me, that's how do we support the governing bodies and the sports leads in those sports to develop programs? So there's always kind of a triad of 
elements that we're trying to balance. Um, uh, so as you're mapping that out over the year, you're now starting to put in what are the programs we need then to help us solve the problem around building relationships, better building relationships. How do we, uh, you know, we're, we don't have enough information on this or we know the coaches are early stage careers. So how do we support them and lean on the experience of some really successful coaches and program leads that we have here to help them build up. So it's it's kind of, for me, it's always a case of you're, you're trying to problem solve or look at performance solutions, I suppose. And, and it's always with the end in mind of thinking, you know, we have a big milestone again in LA or in Brisbane. And, you know, you're trying to think, you know, who, who is going to be there? And, you know, one of the questions that always used to kind of blow my mind. And when I'd ask it, you could see people's head going, oh, so we were like, if who, who's going to, you know, what does it take to win a medal in, or in, in Brisbane? What does it take to have a really good performance in 10 years time? And you, you have to kind of think of where you're going with that. And then you're looking back on, okay, so what does that person look like now? And what do the systems look like now? And then what's our gap? And then effectively you're mapping out and, and the, the problem solving is is the interventions or initiatives that you're doing to help solve some of those gaps and problems really. So it's um it's it's a bit I am an engineer by trade in my background in scientists, as you'll recognize I'm all about the process and the problem solving. But you know, that that's the and then, you know, it's it's an 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 enormously inspiring and aspiring environment that we're working in in high performance sport that uh, we can represent our country and also uh, again you know give 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 athletes um the opportunity to reach their potential and we have we have the likes of, of jason's uh, and the next generation of athletes how can we better support them and learn the lessons from past so there's there's a good bit of thinking and plotting and planning going on there no no doubt I, um it's easy to tell how process driven and uh, problem solving oriented you are. But I will say with everything you said, there is a simplicity to your process, which is starting with the athlete being athlete centric and everything you do. And then also finishing with all of that problem solving and processes with the athlete, right? What does that performance look like when we finally get there? Um, and I think the simplicity of that can definitely be lost on people. Um, mm -hmm you know, as you talk about performances. And I think one of the things that we discussed, uh, <laughs> one of the things that we discussed on a leaders, uh, leaders in sport virtual roundtable was some of the day-to-day -day challenges in athlete preparation. For example, uh, some athletes commute come at a much higher physical and potentially emotional cost than Olympic athletes or other athletes. I know myself as a performance coach in the collegiate space in the States, didn't really have an appreciation for how my athletes commuted to a training session or, you know, how they got to a, a performance or a game and how they left. Um, can you expand maybe on some of those challenges and how you identify them and try to find solutions? Uh, yeah. Well, um, obviously Jason would be able to give you a little bit more, more experience, but sure. I think it, it's what that that's probably actually what you hone in on there is one of the biggest difference for me from having kind of worked with Olympic and Paralympics, Paralympic athletes. So Paralympic being parallel Olympics. So again, it's the same high performance standards. 80% of is, is high performance ABCs. It's, it's the same kind of principles. What's really different is it's the how, and I think that's the, there's a paradigm shift that I had to think about was I would have been very performance focused. So you're thinking about how we win the race, what are we doing, all the steps behind that. But it's in actually uh, a framework that's been road tested and the organization set up behind that. And then particularly when you work with Paralympic athletes or in Paris, where you now have to shift from the performance to think of the performer. 
and you have to massively then think about holistically for them what it means. So again, if we're trying to still hold the same performance standards, then you know what is the impact of their impairment or the 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 constraints of how they have to travel or commute or or prepare food and all those elements. Uh, you know, you, you have to think of that much more uh, in the round. And also, I think probably the the coach athlete relationship therefore has to be much tighter as well. So, you know, a lot of what we're we try to do is to try to understand and empathy is a big one so you know I don't um, live with the disability so I don't have that lived experience of it but I guess it's trying to place myself in um, in the kind of the, the lived experience of what that athlete might be and also it's setting up the environment so that athletes can share um, their experiences with you and you understand and it's very becomes very bespoke um, how you work with them and again you know we would work in the team and even trying to run next gen, for example, we, we had to design kind of the, the flow through for athletes who might be wheelchair users, athletes who might have prosthetics and visually impaired athletes. Um, uh, and you're, you're, you're looking through again, the different levels of impairments and the impact that has on the person to be able to, to go from A to B. So you, you, you do, you're, you're again, probably empathy is the core of it. Uh, certainly from my perspective. Um, and then you're trying to design, with that in mind and being inclusive in your thinking um, around what else, what have we missed? What else do we need to think about? And we, we get a plenty wrong, but the main point is that I suppose you're humble enough to recognize, oh goodness, I missed that, sorry. And how can we do this better for you next time? Um, but it's definitely like, you know, tr- transport definitely is is a barrier. There's no way around that. Certainly um, in Ireland, a lot of the time as well, in terms of getting to main training venues. So you have to kind of be much more aware of that. And then also a lot of the athlete, their own agency, um, you have to massively respect um, their independent human beings that they have different ways of going about it. So again, you know, you have to consider um, you know, somebody actually is expressing themselves and their independence by getting public transport. But if you're thinking from a coaching performance perspective, you're thinking that's not going to be helpful for recovery. So you have to kind of shift and think, uh, as I say, a bit more holistically, uh, I think, than I would have done in the past. That's for sure. Absolutely. Really well said. And a great way to try to tap into this relationship kind of emotional piece, which Jason, I'm curious about is your experience as an athlete over your time coming into it or even during your time there when you were looking for a coach, right? Or when you're trying to get paired with a coach, um, what were the types of things that you were looking for? Were you looking for um, empathy? Was it more X's and O's, a combination of both? I really don't know. So I'm curious from your perspective, kind of the important things for you um, from a coach. Is it someone who had a a shared similar experience or, Hey, I just want somebody who can get me to where I want to go. Yeah. I um, feel very fortunate, as I mentioned earlier, that I happened to meet the right person at the right time. So it wasn't anything planned. And I think as a as any athlete, younger athlete, you don't really have an understanding of really what you're looking for in a coach because you haven't got that experience. And I think there lies a lot of... um a lot on the coach um, to really help that athlete develop and understand. As I said, that's how I learned um, from that coach, but kind of going on from um, just what some of those mentioned by NASA, like you rely on, I relied on my coach more than, than any other athlete probably um, 
non-para athlete would have relied on their coach just because of um you well i was slightly less um or of slightly more dependent on somebody to be able to to get about so for me that coach there's there's a level of of understanding and empathy to get to know who that individual is and there's probably a higher level of trust needed between that athlete and coach um but as i said for me it was a fortunate situation that i happened to to find myself in i think though too um as an athlete i think a power athlete you can also look at all these things that could be better, but I think in some situations also, like it's very easy for you not to take ownership yourself. And, and at, at, at times you've got to look at the choices you make. Um, so I decided to live close to transport or close to where I can train. That's a choice I can make. And there's other things that you're relying on other people, but I think just sometimes the the challenges in the, in around this disability space is to, for people to um, see that there are actually opportunities for them to take ownership um, and make those decisions themselves, not just relying on, on other people. So NASA, as, as Jason said, a lot of this falls back onto the coach. So you as the sports director, how do you go about educating new staff on your systems and then also educating them on the importance of empathy and trust? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I would say <laughs> Jason's a wry smile there because it's a live a live question. Uh, it's it's a really good point. Th this is what we're about to step forward into. So we're, we're, a lot of it is is kind of bring conference. We have those athlete uh, coaches who either would have been a Paralympian themselves or para involved in para sport, or you would have had um uh, coaches who would have been more involved with the Olympic disciplines. Um, and what you're trying to do is support them. Uh, it's transition, but I, I think it's also because you have to just change your mindset. You have to think differently uh, when you're working with a para athlete. That's you know that's its appeal. However, often um, coaches and and what we find and you know when we ask people around, we need more coaches for para sport. Um, you know, a lot of people have the fear factor of in terms of you know where they'll say the wrong thing or how do we work this so there there is definitely work that we need to do as kind of a national paralympic committee in terms of the conversation and i know some other npcs have gone down this route as well it's kind of almost you know look you know it's it's encouragement and, and empowering uh olympic discipline coaches to to transition to support para athletes but i think again you know we know and our, our own um uh performance director for para swim here as well who himself is a former paralympian would say he doesn't know how to coach every impairment just because he is an impairment you know a lot of it is just figuring out it's good coaching it's what coaching the person in front of you and figuring out what their needs are knowing where you're trying to go create the right environment so you know i think um there there that is the big job of work in truth i know that's what i need to to support i don't know quite how to do it yet but there that's definitely where we want to step forward so come back to us in a year and we'll we'll tell you where we are with it <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And and this question is, the next question is really for the both of you and either of you can answer first, but you mentioned some of the challenges and things that you're working through now, but what are some of the big rocks when you look at Paralympic athletics as a whole? What is a challenge or are some of the challenge that you are trying to tackle, that your organization is trying to tackle, that everybody is trying to tackle as it pertains to kind of taking this next step forward in development and performance? I'll let Jason roll with that one first. 
I was going to say ladies first, but clearly not. <laughs> you beat me. Um, I think for me, um, I mean, they're, they're very big areas. Um, the two things that, that have always stood out to me are around finding the next crop of athletes um, and making that sustainable. So we've, I'd say at Parliament Ireland, we've, we've had a generation of successful athletes um, without a system in place in the past. And obviously this is a piece where, where NASA has been brought on board recently too, is how do we, um, as an organization, how does Paralympics Ireland change that? Um, how do you make that sustainable that we continue to, to, to have athletes coming through um the other piece then is actually around for me is around performance and again mentioned earlier um by both actually myself and nasa she talked about going to be in the uk and being around a higher and per performing environment i went to the states um i think sometimes with ireland just it's it's a small country so how do how do you get exposure to higher performing environments because that's where your ceiling is um and sometimes you've you well not sometimes all the times you've got to go to those places to to break through that ceiling so um for me they're um two of the the bigger pieces that kind of stand out to me yeah i suppose just to <clears throat> build on jason's uh what he was saying there and i was to give the more the wider perspective i think that there's probably Two or three elements. One, uh, kind of building on the how you kind of create that performance environment. I think that's the thing. Is for me, some of what I see is a lot of it is around probably organizational culture and strategy, and actually making space for, uh, para sport within the governing bodies. And and again, what you're trying to do is shift a mindset and a way of doing things that has been there and there's been quite a legacy. You know, you set up a business model in a certain way, you set up your programs, it's age group, you've got kind of a certain group of people who've been kind of always on the boards. So the same way I think in doing so it's actually how do you shift that mindset and get them to think a little bit different. And that comes back down to governance um, and it's, it comes to have more diversity uh, in the, the sporting environments uh, and also from a governance perspective. So there's a real, it's kind of for me, it's how do we make it, we both said sustainable. I think that's the big piece and that's the big shift in thinking because day to day you can just do games to games, but how do you make it sustainable? You now have to start thinking about those longer term pieces. And again, the the, the bit for me around the organizational culture. So how do we make space for passport? It's the same uh, journey that women in sport have been on as well. Uh, you know, how do you create that the, the space within those environments. So that's changing the culture and changing the thinking pattern and the ways of doing, uh, and that's hard, uh, but that is definitely the, the job of work to, to make this longer term. And I think that's also, that's that's not just Ireland, that's internationally as well. You know, interesting at the, the Chef de Mission conference uh, in Paris, as you do rubbing shoulders with uh, all your fellow chefs. Um, you know, when we talk to them about their sports systems and the spectrum of arrangements they have around how we better support Paris sport, you know, we get the same. We have integrated programs. We have uh, just disability sports programs on their own. We have some in the middle. We have some where we know that Paris sports funding would be cannibalized by some of their Olympic candor boys, you know, and that comes back to culture, leadership, governance as well. So I think that's some of the, the big, big tickets. And then the, the wider piece, again, is around the Paralympic movement itself, how that's growing. We know, uh, I think 20% of the world's population has a disability. It is a, an underrepresented group in across most sports and, and most environments in society. So there's still a real big job of work to keep that message going. And, and we're using sport 
to showcase the power of people and human performance. So it's really powerful to think around how we keep that movement going, which gets us from an organizational perspective, starting to think a lot more into advocacy and how we can, um, you know, use the the games that kind of once in a four years when we really get the TV uh, spotlight, but how we use that platform uh, to make that societal shift um, through using sport to do that. So there's, those are the, the bigger, the systemy ones for me, but um, yeah, just echoing Jason's perspective as well, very much in that. Well, we certainly look forward to kind of the continued growth of, you know, not just Paralympics Ireland, but also Paralympics in itself and Parasport. So let's kind of fast forward to summer of next year. Todd and I will be tuning in watching Paralympic uh, athletics here and and we're preparing to watch Ireland and, and cheer Ireland on. What can we look forward to in terms of events? What can we look for, you know, uh, what can we expect from some of the higher performers there? Yeah, well, I think more really good performances is what we hope. Um, <laughs> but that it's, it's, that's shaping up, you know. Um, typically, uh, we have uh, really strong programs across uh, paracycling, paraswimming, and paradetics in particular as well. Again, they they ha- they haven't they're the bigger sports, the big three. We would often refer to them in Paralympic world. But we would also again have um, and what's really pleasing is we have a, a new tranche of kind of sports again who have been often driven by pioneering athletes making a problem for those sports to have to solve which is how to support them uh do what they're doing uh and so we have a a, a new a good breadth of sports coming in through triathlon uh para power lifting uh para rowing we'll have um uh botcha which is actually a very specific it's a disability sport on its own right it's probably akin to bowls um for athletes of very high support needs so uh hopefully we, we'll have some botcha representation as well um and a para equestrian uh, as well so i think no matter what like we will have good performances of, of every confidence in that and actually i think the more people we can draw in to watch para sport they'll realize i think if you're a sport enthusiast at all you'll get it and you because what you'll see past is the environment you'll see the movement and the spirit of competition that comes through so it it will be really engaging one way or another i'm quite sure um, Jason, you might have your own favorite, so you might be watching it all. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to just no, uh, being at the ge- being at the games <laughs> and sitting watching uh, from a different perspective rather than being on the track. But actually, to be honest, maybe I might sit there and wish I was on the track as well. Yeah, Jason, I was curious if like your internal physiological clock is like starting to tick and starting to ramp, and you're starting to feel like okay, this is October leading in, like I'm getting ready. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I was uh, sat, was with um, the para-athletics team and they were starting their plan for the year ahead. I was just sitting, when I was chatting, I was saying, this is the first time in whatever, 18, 19 years that I haven't been sitting there at this time of the year, putting my plan in place, trying to figure it out what I'm trying to achieve. So um, yeah, it's I watched the world athletics, para-athletics for the sum, in the summer there past, didn't feel like oh I wish I was there so we'll see we'll see next year the games is usually different and it's a far greater spectacle and um experience so maybe 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 I'll think differently then yeah well I know we'll see like them cross the finish line the slow motion replay we'll just see you like you know two croissants and a coffee or something over at the, <laughs> by the maybe I'll bring line. my bikes <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> depending on how the depending on how some of the first heats go um, <laughs> Yeah, well, 
Awesome. We can't thank you both enough for joining us on the podcast. We're grateful for your time. We, we cannot wait to cheer you, Paralympics Ireland, and the rest of the athletes in Paris next summer. So thank you both for your time. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for the opportunity. We appreciate you tuning in to this episode of the Kaiser Human Performance Podcast. To stay up to date on all things Kaiser, follow us at Kaiser Fitness on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For more content, you can visit our Kaiser Fitness YouTube page and at our website, www.kaiser.com. Thank you and have a great day.